Thank you for tuning in to the Sunset Church of Christ podcast. You're listening to a lesson that was brought on February the 16th, 2020. It is entitled, Are You Servable? We now go to that lesson. Well, I want to ask you to get your Bibles out. Let's go back to that passage we've looked at a couple of times in the last couple of weeks. John chapter 13. And ask a question that uh, I think is one that we all know was coming. And it's going to be something that a lot of us aren't going to feel very good about. We've been talking about Jesus' lesson on serving. And we read John chapter 13. We've looked at it twice now, uh, reading through it a couple of weeks ago. And then last week we talked about the implications of uh, the passage. We said here is Jesus making that really important idea that we're supposed to serve one another. That that's going to be the, uh, the key to the cohesion of the body of Christ. This devotion we're going to have for one another. Uh, our relationship is one where we're not forced to be here. No one is forced in a sense to be a part of the body of Christ. We've all chosen this. We're submitting to one another. And part of the concept there is one of the benefits of that is that is that benefit we receive from our serving one another. Jesus, in this lesson, he, he himself got down on his hands and, and, and knees, uh, so to speak, washed the feet of the saints, or the feet of the disciples there. And in doing so, he demonstrated to us that nobody is too good to serve. That was Jesus' lesson. That there's, no, there's no job that anyone is too good to do. But I said what was really interesting, as we looked at this at the time, was Peter. If you go back to the passage with me, you know that Jesus uh, began to wash. And then in verse uh, 6, he came to Simon Peter. Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus said, what I'm doing now you don't understand, but you'll know after this. And then Peter says that thing that I've several times now said, I think a lot of us might have said. Peter says, you shall not wash my feet. No, no way. And like I said, could you imagine that here we are at somebody's house where uh, we're visiting and uh, uh, Chris suddenly pulls out a, a basin of water and says, okay, everybody, take your shoes off, I'm going to wash your feet. How many of us would tell Chris, no, no, not, that's okay, not, not today, no way. You know, it would be hard. I wouldn't. I, I, Chris, I tell you no, I'm sorry. I wouldn't be able to do it. It would just, you know, it, that kind of thing to, to have somebody who, uh, you know, you respect and you, you, you have a, a great esteem for saying, I'm going to do this thing and it's very demeaning, so to speak. Peter says, it's absolutely not going to happen. He says, no, no way, stop. And then, of course, Jesus makes that statement to him. Well, if I don't do this, uh, paraphrasing here, he says specifically, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. If I don't do this, you can't be a part of my work. That's pretty tough. In other words, it, it, as Peter says, you're not going to do it. Jesus says, well, if I don't do it, you can't be with me. And that changes Peter's mind. Peter says, oh, well, in that case, you don't wash everything. Just, just go, uh, uh, go on, do whatever you need to do. And Jesus says, no, just, just the feet. That's what we're here to do. That's the, that's the part that's unclean. And when Peter said, it's not me, Jesus said, well, it better be that allows me to serve you. So if you think about this for a second, we're saying that the lesson here isn't just about serving, 
the importance of serving, and, and that really is the big idea, that we serve one another to be his disciples. There's no job we're too good for. There's no, none of us that are too good to do it. But it's also, if you think about what happened between Peter and Jesus, it's also the idea about being servable. You know what I mean by servable, right? Somebody who can be served. And at first, uh, I say that, and you think, surely nobody has a problem being served. I go to a restaurant, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm served. But what we're really saying is the ability to be served by, by people that you have a relationship with, that where you are uh, members of one another, ser- uh, you are uh, in a relationship where you see one another as equals. And I have to ask you the question, are you servable? And you tell me. You tell me. I would say a lot of us struggle on this. And we probably, probably understand what I'm saying. I would say a lot of us aren't exactly thrilled to need to ask. Now, that's not everybody's problem. In fact, sometimes it's a problem. We have to tell people you, you ask too much. But, but more often, the problem is people don't want to be served. And that is a problem. That is the problem of being unservable. Of being unservable. I want you to think about a couple of things as we put that idea. And let me ask, are you unservable? Number one, do you dislike asking for help? I throw that out there and I would have to say, yeah, all of us dislike asking for help because when you ask for help, it's because you're, you're needy. You have something that's not right. So nobody wants to be in that situation. Uh, but let's think of it like this. In Galatians 6, Paul was talking about the work we do for one another. And in verse 2, he had said, you bear one another's burdens. And fulfill the law of Christ. In verse 10 he had said, As we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. You know, it's kind of interesting because those passages imply the idea of the importance of helping one another. Is it the case though that you dislike asking for help so you don't ask for help? That your burden is something that you, because of the dislike for asking, you don't want to ask somebody else to help you to, to move something, to, uh, to study something, to uh, converse about something? How about prayers? When do you ask for prayers? I think we all, from time to time, must need prayers. Where do you stand on that one? Are you comfortable to ask for prayers in difficult times? You know, this is the, one of the things the church is supposed to do for, for each other. If anyone among us is sick, James says in James 5, verse 14, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. You know, that's kind of a pretty personal action to call somebody and say, Would you come? Would you pray with me? Would you pray over me? The prayer of faith, it says, saves the sick. The Lord raises them up. If they've committed sins, they're forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another. So here's a commandment that we're supposed to do, a one another commandment, to confess to one another and pray for one another. Let me ask you, how comfortable are you asking others to pray for you? Here's a third one to ask you the question. Are you unservable? Would you rather actually rely on outsiders for help on things? Uh, by outsiders, I mean people that aren't Christians. Is it oftentimes the case that if you know you have a need, that you're thinking, you know, I'd rather ask my cousins than I would my 
my Christian brethren. I, I'd rather, you know, just get somebody I don't know to do something than to have to rely on the church. Here's another one. And this one you might think goes a little bit of a different direction than these first three. Do you ever feel like you're an outsider in church society? Meaning, because you don't feel like uh, there's a sense of your place here, is it ever the case that in that sense you're not really wanting to involve yourself by asking others uh, things for you because you just don't feel very committed to things? We're to, we're to be of the same mind to one another. Another one another command in Romans 12, verse 16. Don't be haughty in mind. Associate with the lowly. Don't be wise in your own estimation. Don't make determinations in your own mind, he would say. But do you sometimes feel like I just don't really fit and I don't want to ask? Well, then maybe unservability is something you struggle with. If the answers to these things are yes. Now you might think for a second, yeah, Brian, one or two or three or four of those things I said yes to, I did. But I got good reasons why. And there are lots of reasons why. Maybe not good reasons, but there are reasons why. Number one might be, I just, I don't know what brethren can do for me. I don't know what to ask for help. You know, we talked about how it is that in serving one another, we're bringing things to the table that we, we do, that oftentimes are the things we do day to day, or, or talents, or skills, or abilities that we have. And maybe I just don't know that, uh, I don't know that Gerald's an electrician. Or, I don't know how Rob works with insulation. I don't know, um, Ryan, if I ever have a reservoir problem, I'd call you, but I haven't had <laughs> Michael, I don't even know what you do, so. But you know, there's lots of things that aren't just about uh, what we do for a living, but, you know, uh, uh, Rob and Ryan work on cars and things like that. And, and frankly, a lot of times we just don't have enough knowledge of each other to know what we can do for each other. We don't really realize, you know, it, it, it's the case that this person uh, does this thing and, and they could be very helpful to me because we, we just don't know each other well enough. And do you actually see what the root of the problem there really is? The root of the problem is that we just don't know each other well enough. Word of God was very clear, and we saw this passage last week in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10 when it says, as each one has a special gift, that's God saying everybody has something you're able to do. As each one has a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Okay, what you have to kind of walk into this by faith is to say that in a local congregation, everybody has something they can help me with. Something that they can do that I can benefit from. And I need to find ways to put that to the test. How about this one, though? Maybe it's not so much I don't know what brethren can do for me, but maybe I just don't feel I know them well enough to ask. Okay, I'm going to put that on my list. I'm going to say, yeah, that's one of the things that sometimes I feel like, is I just don't know. Do I know somebody well enough to ask? I'll tell you a great story by a brother here in Christ who was looking for a ride to the airport, and he's one of you, and I won't confess the name of that person, but... They, uh, they said, well, and I called. I said, well, do you need a ride? They said, no, I'm going to call somebody I've never called before for a ride because I just want to get to know other people. And I thought, well, that was a really neat idea. 
just to find different people that can do something because just about everybody can take you to the airport at some point. And they said, I'm not just going to keep asking the same person all the time. I'm going to ask a different person all the time so that I can find out what other people can do. And that was a great example to me of making myself not to be a stranger with the household of God. Because, because Ephesians 2, we read this in our class time, uh, therefore you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God. How about this one? Sometimes it's misplaced humility. You know what misplaced humility is, right? Uh, whenever we, you know, we have low self uh, worth or things like that. That's a, that's a bad thing. There's, there's good humility and there's bad humility and it's oftentimes the case that that bad humility sets in and we just don't, you know, we just don't want any attention or anything like that from somebody. A lot of times I've heard people say, you know, I don't want to put this on the prayer list because there's other people that need prayers more than I do. You know, if you really think that way, nobody will be on the prayer list because I promise we could probably find among all the brethren we know somebody who has needs worse than somebody else. But have you ever said that? No, I don't want to pray about it. I don't want people to have to worry about this because of all the other things that are going on. You know, Paul, uh, or actually whoever the writer was of Hebrews, in Hebrews 13, uh, all the things they told them they need to focus on, he says, okay, by the way, we need you to pray for us. For we're sure we have a good conscience desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. On top of everything else he'd said, they would always kind of end with a, pray for us, pray for me. Even though there were lots of things they needed to pray about, one more isn't a bad thing. I've never known somebody to pass out of the exhaustion of prayer. Uh, not to say it probably couldn't happen, I've just never met that person. I've never known somebody who couldn't put together uh, enough time to, to add one more person to the things that they need to pray about. So sometimes uh, we're thinking, well, I just don't want to burden the brethren. That's not, that's not good thinking. That's not the right way to apply humility. Maybe there's another one that we want to consider here that I suspect a lot of times we know is there and we just don't want to admit it. Maybe it's pride. Maybe a lot of times it's pride. Maybe it's the kind of pride where we say, I don't want people to ever think I'm weak. That's tempting, right? I, I don't want people to think I'm weak. I want to always look strong. I, I want to always look like there's nothing that knocks me over. I don't want to have to stand and confess sins to you because, because of pride. Because I think to myself, you know what? I just don't want, I don't want to ever look like I'm not keeping it together. That's a bad thing. You know, I was thinking of the parable Rob did for us a few weeks ago when he was talking about the, uh, the unjust steward. And in the midst of the unjust steward's uh, conversation with himself in Luke 16, the unjust steward says to himself, you know, I'm, I'm too ashamed to beg. That's not a good thing. It's not a good thing that I can be so full of pride. I don't want to ask people for help. I'm so full of pride that my self-image, I can't risk it being damaged and looking weak before others. That's really, really bad. And yet sometimes pride is exactly what stops me from asking for help. Pride is exactly what stops me from confessing my sins. Pride is what stops me from entering the kingdom of heaven. Because it's all connected there. It's easy to have too much pride and not willing to say, hey, I need, I need help. 
Here's one more to think about. How about this? How about, you know, I asked a four, and it didn't go so well. Bitterness, bad experiences of, of having brought it up in the past. Somebody says, you know, I asked brethren for help once before. I asked for help moving. Nobody showed up. I'm not going to do that again. Have you ever had an experience like that? Probably. Uh, I would virtually guarantee everyone in this room, at some point, has been let down by their brethren. And let me say this, if you haven't, then I virtually guarantee that at some point you will be. You'll be let down. Why? Because we're, we're people. You know, we, uh, we aren't always on top of the things we ought to be on top of, or, or sometimes it's, it's not even the fault of the brethren, it's just a fault of, of our perception. But it's easy to get filled with bitterness and say, I'm done asking for help because I've asked before and, and I just don't get it. I don't like all the strings attached. I don't like all the, uh, the things that people say or do. And, you know, I, I confessed something. I asked for something and, and it got turned around. I remember years ago I uh, was trying to encourage a brother to confess and so I confessed my weakness. I said, you know, uh, brother, sometimes I you know, struggle with losing my temper. You know, I, I get upset, I lose my temper. Uh, the next week he turned around and brought that to everybody's attention to, to try to accuse me of not being fit to be a teacher. That was tough. Because I thought, you know, I, 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 here I am, I opened myself, I shared something important, and, uh, you know, instead of trying to help him, to encourage him to do things, it, it got turned around. I tell you what, you're, you're going to get things turned around on you, and that is no excuse to say, I'm done asking. You do, though, right? All of us would. Uh, it's tempting to say, you know what, it's, I, it's over. I'm going to try something else. But, but I tell you what, that's, that's not going to work. When we're not servable, bad things happen. And what do I mean by that? Well, number one, uh, pretty soon, if I'm not asking my brethren for help, I'm starting to feel separate from my brethren. I start to feel kind of put off by them. I don't feel connected with them anymore. Because we want to understand that, that one of the things that tightens the bond that we have for each other is serving each other. After the disciples were looking at each other, they'd all had their feet washed by Jesus. Don't you think that maybe they were a little bit closer in that moment than they'd been before? Jesus just came through and washed our feet and, and that, that brings us a little bit closer the things that we, we do for one another, those things create a bond for us, a, a, a sense of trust and commitment, something vital to, to important relationships. You might consider how in Acts chapter 6 we read about the church in Jerusalem. And remember, remember this story that the, 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 the widows, the Grecian widows, what was happening? Do you remember? They weren't being served. They weren't being taken care of. And what was that doing to the church? It was splitting the church because there, there wasn't the help that there needed to be help. Now, it doesn't say anything about those widows not being servable, but what if that was it? What if it was a situation where they said, well, I just don't want to ask, we'll let it go to somebody else, and pretty soon some people are saying, you know, it looks to me like some people are getting neglected here and, and there's a problem. You know, it doesn't really tell us what, what was at the root. We always kind of presume it was, it was racial or something like that, but what if there was just a lot of people that didn't like the idea of being served? And suddenly the church starts to split. You know, it can happen. 
Imagine if everyone in this room said, I'm not asking for help ever again. What kind of bond would we have? And I'm going to tell you, we'd kind of drift apart. Because that service to one another is one of the things that tightens us closely to each other. If you're not willing to be served, you're going to drift away. Well, another thing is, it leads to stumbling. Um, can, can I go back to pride again and say that the person who doesn't want to be served oftentimes is struggling with their pride? And if they're not, they will be. If at some point they say, you know what, I have never asked for help in 20 years, do you get the sense of pride in that? Or how about we talk about the, the bitterness, contempt, the things that, uh, that kind of break us apart? If I'm unservable, pretty soon I, I will be filled with a lot of things that are going to cause a lot of problems. You know, it's like the way the Hebrew writer says it when he's talking about the, the things you need to look at yourself about. He says, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. In verse 15 he says, looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. This is the term I like. Lest any root of bitterness Springing up, cause trouble, and by this, many become defiled. You know, I like that, that root of bitterness. I like the idea of that because it's the idea of a root is something under the ground. And You know, if you pulled a, pulled a plant trying to pull a weed and you, you broke the top off and the root was still under there, what happens? You all know, you, everybody here, you don't have to be much of a gardener to know that it comes back. It grows. It continues to spread. And the writer here is saying, you know, that bitterness is like that root under the soil and it's going to go out there and, and as long as you're not rooting it up, it's going to cause, he, well he says, it's going to cause many people to be defiled. Well let's say this, if I don't want to be served, if I don't want to ask for help, if I don't want to, uh, to seek for the prayers or encouragement or just my needs from, uh, from those that I have in Christ, it's going to end up leading me in a place where my heart's going to have something really dark inside of it. But I, mean, I guess you could just say, it just isn't what Christ wanted, right? Why did Peter say no? And as I said, all I can think of is, that, you know, was Peter too proud? It could have been. Was, was Peter thinking to himself, he's not going to wash him, right? You know, that sounds silly, but... How many times do we not want to ask somebody because we don't think they're going to do it the way we want it done, so I just don't want to ask, is, is that right? But then Jesus says, well, you know, if you're not going to be servable, you don't have any part with me. And that's, that's frightening. But it's not just about you stumbling, it's about causing others to stumble, right? Bear one another's burdens, fulfill the law of Christ. Who fulfills the law of Christ? The one bearing the burdens of another. If we don't give a burden to be born, there can be no fulfillment of the law of Christ, right? That concept, the idea of, of causing somebody else to stumble, you don't think of it that way. You think, well, if I'm keeping my things from them and not burdening them with my troubles and my needs, I'm making their life better. You're not. You're not. It's like the parent, you know, the, uh, the parent today who says, you know, I don't want my kids to have to struggle for things or have needs for things, so I'm not going to make them work for things. I'm not going to, uh, I'm going to give them whatever they want. How does that kind of parenting work out? Anybody know? 
Everybody knows. Everybody knows that a parenting style that says, I don't want them to ever have to struggle or, or face any problems, that that creates somebody who's unable to succeed. Do you want that for your brethren? Do you want them to stand before God and when God says, did you serve your brethren? Them say, well, I didn't because I never knew that they needed something. They're going to be in trouble. I'm going to be in trouble. That's a point to say I'm, uh, I guess, if nothing else, I'm setting the wrong example, right? I'm not showing you what I need. I, I try to confess things to you. I try to say things of, of my weaknesses and my, uh, uh, my doubts and things like that because I want you to feel comfortable to say, I've got those too. And I want to bear each other's burdens. And I realize that we have to have examples of that. And I realize that that's so important because you're not successful in Christ if you're not doing that. And it would be terrible that we didn't allow each other to do it, to be successful in Christ. So what is all all this going to say? Well, let's understand that the idea here is how willing are you to be served? And are you able to grow that willingness? It's not easy to be servable. Now, like I said, I think for some people it is. I think for some people, uh, maybe as I said to the other extreme, <coughs> Paul even warned of some in Thessalonica and Second Thessalonians chapter 3 that had that quit their jobs and were just kind of mooching off the church, so to speak. And he, and he says that's just not acceptable, you can't do that. That, that certainly wasn't something uh, to be expected. But the idea of saying, uh, how can I... How can I do what's right if I'm not servable? It's not easy to be servable sometimes. And Peter's a great example of this. Peter, one of the most important men of the New Testament, had a problem with being servable. And, it, and well, if he had just kept going in this passage, if he had just said, well, no, no way you're going to serve me, he might have lost everything. Can you see that? That not being servable could have cost him everything? And can we see that maybe the same is true for every one of us? That if we're not servable, if we're not locked into a relationship with other Christians where we're prepared to ask for prayers and encouragement and, and expose ourselves, that, that we're not going to have the success we ought to have, it is of vital importance that we render ourselves servable, and with the caveat to say that that doesn't take advantage. All the reasons that we have not to be servable, we have to set them aside. To some degree, sometimes, even to the point where we're saying, I'm creating opportunities to be served because I appreciate how important it is that I am seeking out times where I might find ways that others can serve me because we each want one another to go to heaven. Are you servable? Maybe the question is, how can you be more servable is the thing that we would want to work on. Let's take a second. Let's go to our Father in the word of prayer. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Holy God and Father in heaven, we come to you in prayer. We thank you, Father, that you have blessed us with the opportunity to gather together in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus. And Father, tonight we have considered yet again his great example of what it is to be a servant. And we've also considered the example of, of your servant, Peter, 
who at first didn't want to, to be served. And Father, we, we see that there is a danger in not being servable. Not being somebody who allows others to serve us. And there's all sorts of reasons we might have for that, Father. But, but we need to learn how to put those reasons aside so that we might faithfully execute the things of, uh, that have been given to us to do. Father, a new week is before us. Help us to use this to allow others to serve us. And help us to serve one another. To find those opportunities that are in our time, Father, and in our means and in our abilities. And pursue ways that we can lift each other up. Father, forgive us of our sins. As we forgive those who sin against us. And in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. The ultimate servant is, of course, the one who is a servant of God. Uh, that's the, the language of the New Testament. You know, it's always fascinating that uh, when you read the letters of the writers of the New Testament, they would use terms like slave and bond servant, uh, words that in some ways were, were kind of seen as derogatory or uh, insulting if, if, uh, to the class system of their time. To be a slave was the idea that you completely threw yourself upon somebody else and you served them absolutely at their beck and call. And yet, in Romans chapter 6, the Apostle Paul would say that everybody's a slave of something. You're either a slave of sin or you're a slave of righteousness because you serve something. Something is your master. When we're together, we, we try to provoke the thinking of saying, what is your master? Are you a slave to sin? Is sin what owns you? Does sin uh, have control of your life? Does sin uh, put, uh, put itself in the driver's seat of your life and make its decisions for you? Are you following the will of sin? Where's that road lead? It leads to destruction. You knew that, though. You know it. In fact, what's ironic is not only does it lead to destruction, it's got a lot of little exits on the way that are also to destruction. So that you experience destruction the whole way and then at the end you're lost and it's, it's terrible. But you know, there's something you can always do. You can always turn around. You can always change. You know, the very word repent means to turn oneself in a different direction, to, to turn away from something. And the idea is you can, if you're driving on the road of destruction because you're a slave to sin, you have the ability in your mind and in your heart to make a decision that says, no more. I'm going to become a slave of righteousness. And, and by hearing the word of God and believing it, by making a confession with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, by, by pulling out that exit, stopping your journey in destruction and turning around, being baptized, you put yourself on the road where you are a slave of righteousness. And the funny thing about being a slave of righteousness is that there's actually a great reward to that. So maybe slave doesn't always fit the way we think of that because the idea is we're given an inheritance as a son, a son of God. And we travel a road that Jesus said it's not, it's not going to be hard, it's straight, it's not crooked. And if you stick to the road, you are promised eternal life. Every time we're together we say, hey, we want you on that road. We're driving on that road. Many of us are on that road, uh, but sometimes we're tempted to pull off. Sometimes we're, uh, we're waving at the people going the wrong direction, trying to tell them, and maybe you're going that wrong direction. You need to change. This is what you need to do. Maybe you're on the right direction, but you're, you're struggling. Well, I hope tonight 
I hope tonight we have destroyed any, any fear that you have, any hesitancy you have of, of sharing that need with one another, sharing your burdens, asking for prayers, asking for encouragement, letting us know what you need, so that we might grow the church that Jesus built. Uh, any of these things provoke you. Why don't you come visit with me while we stand and we sing a song? There's a th-